Welcome to The Real Deal Podcast, where we talk to Indiana music professionals about their careers who have been very successful, or as we call them, The Real Deal. My name is Rick Granlund. I'm the Director of Bands and Performing Arts Department Chair at North Central High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. Today we welcome Dr. Tim Lotzenheiser, founder of Attitude Concepts for Today and Con Selmer, Vice President of Education. Well, again, thanks for talking with me today, Tim. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, you know, I was, as I prepare for these, I think back to, you know, when I first met someone and, and, and for you, you've met so many kids over the years, but for me, it was, it was really a crazy thing. And um, you've probably heard this story from countless people um, throughout the country, but um, I started high school in 1984 and I didn't really know what I was getting into with band at Highland and Anderson. And, you know, I, I, I just signed up for band because that's, you know, what they kind of told us to do. And, and, you know, I, I, I liked it and that was pretty much the, the end of it. And we got into the fall season and uh, Mr. Partial, I was, I was certainly not a leader. I was a freshman and uh, just one of many freshmen and Mr. Partial kept me aside at the end of rehearsal. And I'm pretty sure it was my freshman year and said, you know, Rick, we've got this thing, this, this, this next week on the evening, it was during the week. And uh, this gentleman's coming in to talk to our leaders and we have to keep it at a lower number of people. And we had a, a couple extra spots and I, I thought you might really enjoy it. <laughs> and so I was probably too young to go. Um, and I don't know how I snuck in, but, but I ended up going and it was just an amazing experience for me as a 14, 15 year old kid to get to go because all my people I looked up to were the leaders in the band and they were all there. And, and I know that was really early in your time doing that, I believe. Um, but, uh, and so 1984 to now, it's just been a lots of fun memories of seeing you then again and later taking my own students and, and you've been so kind all these years. So thank you for 1984 on for me. That's <laughs> a while. <laughs> so, Anyway, so as I shared with you, we, we kind of set this up like a basketball game since we're Indiana based. And mm -hmm. I know you've, you've probably been to a couple of those in your day. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to go by quarter. So if you're ready to go. Um, I'm ready to go, Rick. First quarter. So tell me uh, about your growing up and where you grew up. Um, Bluffton, Indiana, little town south of Fort Wayne, about 15 miles. Um, and the whole, at that time, there were like, I think, I don't know, 12 high schools in our county. So Lancaster Central was one of the townships, yeah? So I went to the little country school, and so did Andrea at Lancaster, yeah, small town. So that was like a K through 12 building at the time? Oh, no K, oh, come on, first grade. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no K. K was the what Bluff they did at home with their parents, and yeah. Yeah, well, Bluffton, that was the big school. They had kindergarten, but nah, not out in the country. <laughs> And so did you go all the way through K through 12 and that, or did you live through some sort of consolidation? Uh, well, actually, that's an interesting question. We, we actually did have a consolidation with Union and Ossian and Rock Creek. So that's where Norwell came from, Northern Wells. However, when I was in school, all we had was um, just three of them. They were doing a transition. So Norwell never really happened until after I was gone, but they were starting to put the schools together. Yeah. And, and at what point did you get to start making music in your school day? 
Well, I started making music when I was four years old. My, my aunt was a piano teacher and I wanted to be a, a, a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> and the deal was you can't be a drummer until you learn to play piano. So I, you know, that was it. That was my gateway to get to be a percussionist. And then we started a, a school band in the fifth grade. Yeah. And our band director taught everything. Um, he was, I mean, he taught the beginners all the way through high school band. So all or nothing at that point. And who was that? Who was that person? His name was Carl Gombert, Mr. Gombert. And unfortunately he did not stay there. My high school career was a different director every year. Uh, he was really good. In fact, I think he went to Gettysburg, no, not Gettysburg college. One of the colleges in, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, was teaching. I mean, he got his doctorate and so forth. I, th I think he taught music history. He was brilliant. He was a great guy. And then, then our coach was the band director for one year. And I mean, it was, it was horrible. <laughs> horrible. So, so not, not the perfect situation, but. So, so when you started, was it in like little groups, like, you know, pulled out of class in the boiler room, like I've, people talk about in the, in the little music room or how did that all work for you? Yeah. Yeah. We had band when other people, I think had recess or something like that. And, you know, as I told somebody the other day, our high school band wasn't good enough to be horrible. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I've heard a few of those. Yeah. It was, of course, we all thought it was a hot shot. Now, I, I don't know if you want to put this on your podcast or not, but our high school band, one year we went to state fair and got last place. Okay. And we were 77. Mm -hmm. And our band director at that time, who <laughs> tried to convince us since the name was called first, we had won. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> Boy, what a wake up call that was. Wow. So you have many, go ahead. So you have many memories of your program, but they maybe aren't all stellar from what you're. Well, I mean, we didn't know. And in fact, we didn't even know we didn't know. We just, we were having band, you know? Right. <laughs> 17 pieces. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so at what point in time did you start thinking about music as something you might want to do as a, as an adult or were there other things you considered first or as a part of that? Did, did you consider other things I'm interested? You know, I, I, I really did not No, sometime in my freshman year, I thought I knew one I, as much as you can know as a freshman. Yeah. Um, I mean, I might've said some other things to kind of fit in and please my guidance counselors, but not really. No. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the way I looked at some other things too, but I just, I love band. I, I mean, I like music. And uh, so, you know, I, I thought, well, that's, I'm sort of good at that. <laughs> I'm sure not good at some of the other things. So yeah, let's give it a whirl, you know, see what happens. <laughs> Another wake up call. And so when you, so, you know, you're getting towards the end of high school and you're deciding to go to college, like, how did you do your search? How did you end up at Ball State? How was your, did you look at other places? <laughs> oh, I would love to tell you I did. It's so naive. My aunt lived in Muncie, Indiana, or my second aunt or fifth aunt, or I don't know what she does. And she rented out rooms to college kids at Ball State. So, you know, it was like, well, you can go to Aunt Kate's 
and you know you can rent our room for seven dollars a week or something like that and seriously that was probably the reason i went to ball state i wanted to be a teacher i knew that and i knew it was a teacher school but other than that rick i didn't have a clue what i was getting into not a clue and so I mean, that I was an alternate i was an alternate in marching band like for the first like four weeks. Do you know how bad you have to be to be an alternate in a college marching band? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know those existed actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, got to, I got to carry the twirlers coats. That was my job for the first two games before I got wow. in the drum section. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you didn't have the normal start. You didn't live in the dorms. You lived at your aunt's um, in yeah. a room yeah. and uh, you ended up there it's probably it's probably ball state teachers college at that point right no it had just changed that's interesting it the year before is when it just changed to ball state university mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. and so so you're there at ball state and um you know what are your memories of of your beginnings there obviously carrying the codes for the twirlers and being an alternate <laughs> marching band but what, what was it like for you Oh my God. When you went, I'm going to interview you now. When you went to college, were you prepared for it? I thought I was, <laughs> but well, not. And you not, had Mr. Partial. You had, yeah. you had Mr. Partial and Mark Finger too, yeah? Yeah, I did. And lessons and all those good things. Yeah. I was prepared playing wise, but I wasn't prepared maturity wise. Oh boy. I was going to quit my third weekend. I knew I was in over my head. Uh, everybody knew theory, everybody, uh, I mean, I was at the bottom of the totem pole and the story is, and, it, and somebody said, you made this up. I mean, no, no, no. I had walked in, you remember, you know where the music lobby is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had walked in there and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to leave at the end of this week. I'm not going <laughs> to you know, go to any admissions and check out or anything. I'm just going to leave. And I walked in and Mr. Dunn was walking down that ramp. And, uh, you know, I said, uh, hello, sir. And he's like, oh, how are you, young man? And I'm like, I, and he goes, now you're in the band. And I'm like, yes, sir, I am. <laughs> I'm the twirler guy, coat guy. And, uh, and I said, boy, I said, it's a great band, Mr. Dunn. And I said, I, I've never heard a band like that. And I said, boy, it'd be great to have a band like that someday. And you know how he had that ability just to square around on you. And he just looked at me and he goes, well, you can have a band like that someday. And I just like shook my head and he goes, this depends on how hard you want to work. Now, what's your name? <laughs> so, I mean, I went, well, Dan, if it's just hard work, I can do that. And that was the turning point. Yeah. Amazing. Sounds Amazing. like it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what was your future ensemble experiences like after those initial shock days <laughs> getting there? Oh, I did. I did them all. I got, I mean, it, men's glee club, went ensemble. I, I played in both bands, varsity band, went ensemble. Um, uh, university singers at one time. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was okay as a player. I, I'm sort of like you. I was okay as a player. But boy, all that music history and ear training and I had never, had you experienced all that stuff? Uh, not to that degree, no. We did have a hearing class, but no. Yeah. I mean, there were kids there and they go dictation and they just like write it like you're writing your name. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was yeah. it was uh, swimming against the current for a while. Now, you've already mentioned Mr. Dunn and, and I, I got to know him very little. He was still around doing some things with IMEA and he had an office on like the fifth floor 
Fourth floor. And he, four, yeah. So he was like four and a half, kind of. It's at this weird. That was it. That was it. Up in that yeah. cubby hole. Yes, sir. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so I knew of him and I certainly respected him. But um, were there other directors you, you could mention or talk about from your days there that you had experiences with? Um, well, Don Nguyen was there my first year. You know who I'm talking about? I've heard the name. I've heard Don Nguyen uh, was the choral director. In fact, he was a percussion major, believe it or not. And he was the choral director. And then he went to the University of Wisconsin. And then he went to um, Atlanta with uh, George, uh, what's the, Shaw, the, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, 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 and then he went to Eastman after that. And then he went to, when he retired, went to the University of California. Um, um, not USC, it's the other one. And, and he, in fact, he's from Bern, Indiana, believe it or not. And he was phenomenal. And I, I mean, I just remember just watching him and going, oh my God, to be a teacher like that. So he was influential. Obviously, Mr. Dunn was influential. And, and uh, Mr. Metzinger, my percussion teacher, was just phenomenal. Yeah, it's a wow. great time. That's a great school. Great school. If you want to be a, a, a band director or a music teacher, man. Is, it, is that why you decided to go there? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. just everybody I looked up to you told me I yeah. could go there. So yeah. I followed their directions. So, so you've mentioned Mr. Dunn many times already, and I know you have a relationship with him that spans decades. Um, but yes, any other just fun stories you could share with us or are willing to share with us about Mr. Dunn? <laughs> well, I mean, to come from, uh, it's so hard to even talk about yourself. You know, senior year, president of the band, um, all that sort of thing. And then when he decided to leave and go to Alabama, I, Mr. Patton was my uh, a student teaching supervisor or uh, uh, where I went to student teaching, Madison Heights. And, and I was going to go to Marion and Mr. Dunn wouldn't let me. He said, no, you've had enough of Marion. You're going to go with Jim Patton. And as you well know, Madison Heights was a feeder school for Ball State almost. Um, and then when he decided to go to Alabama, I just remember going up and saw and said, I've got to get a graduate degree sometime. Are there any graduate assistants? And Steve Stickler, you know Steve, of course. Steve and I both went to Alabama uh, with him that first year. And, and I mean, again, it's the influence your teacher has. How important music teachers are, because you hook to the music teacher even more than music, don't you think? I do, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, if he'd have said, Tim, I want you to eat nails, I would have gone, okay, yes, sir. I'll do that for you. And then he became, I'm going to start crying. He became a, a surrogate father because he and Mrs. Dunn didn't have any children. Uh -huh. and, uh, and I mean, Mr. Dunn, one time he said, I mean, when I was teaching, he said, please call me Earl. And I said, I can't do that any more than you could call Mr. Partial John. Right? Right. You honor who they are. And I said, I, I don't, Mr. Dunn, I don't want to be your best friend. I want you to be my teacher. Um, and he did till the, in fact, till the day he died. Yeah. Wow. Great man. Sounds very special. Um, backtrack just for a second. You mentioned Masson Heights. So you were with Jim Patton then at Masson yes, Heights? Yes, Mr. I, Patton. Yes. Yeah, he's one of those people that the I did not get the fortune to know him, but people who did talk so highly of him. What was your student teaching the day-to-day -day like with him? Phenomenal. I love, 
well, I, I love Mr. Patton. Mr. Patton was, I mean, he was great. And because he, he was so committed to the mission. Now he was different than Mr. Dunn, but he was so committed to the mission and he let me be part of his family. And I stayed at his house and, and Marilyn cooked for me. And I mean, it, it was, it was like a, a culture change but acceptance into the family. And I remember the day I left uh, and I remember I just standing in front of that band and sobbing my guts out because I didn't want to leave. You know, that was Mr. Patton. Wow. Guy. So, so the program was really well run and just quite, oh, quite a... Yeah, to the nth degree. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm. Well, so you talked already about how you ended up going to Alabama. So you did your master's when you were there. Was that part yeah. of the, the and so was it, it was just the one year? <coughs> yeah, it one was year. supposed to take two. And um, I mean, Bear Bryant was there then. Yeah. Okay. Joe Namath. I mean, was the quarterback. I mean, it was just a great time. And, uh, you know, I, I, you and I are a lot alike. And so is Candy in this sense. We don't kind of do something. We <laughs> jump in head first, right? Yeah. And at the end of the second semester, I went, wait a minute. If I go to summer school, I can graduate. You know, I can knock this out in one year. I don't have to spread it over two years. And I was out of money. Yeah. So I thought, well, I better graduate and get a job. So <laughs> I doubled up on classes and off we went. <laughs> wow. Crazy. So, you know, the county area around Bluffton and then going to Muncie isn't that different, you know, but going all the way to Alabama, what oh. having that year in Alabama, did you feel like you were just in another country? What, what was that like? Oh, literally, literally. And, and, and you know, what was going on then too, the whole uh, diversity thing was big and my gosh. Uh, yeah. It was, it was altogether different. And we learned a different language fixing too, and Kenya and, you know, th those kids were great. Those kids were magnificent. Um, so yes, I loved it. Yeah, there was anything I didn't like about it. So yeah, mm -hmm. great. So you finished up the graduate school stuff mm -hmm. early, and then how did you uh, make your way up to Michigan and Northern Michigan? How did that all work out for you? And how did that uh, happen? Ask me all these questions. What was your first job? Caston, <laughs> uh, Caston near Logansport, Indiana. I did not know that. How long were you there? Just a couple of years, two years. I'll be dang. Then, then, to, then to where? Uh, Delphi, Delphi near Lafayette. Okay, that's where I first. That's where I first. But those are very different from Northern Michigan University. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, the job was open at uh, Pendleton uh, at that time, and so Mr. Dunn was going to, you know, and at that time. <clears throat> They had a thing called Lutton's Personnel, and this company would send you the openings in the that were around the nation, and you could send in a card, and then they would send all your bio stuff to that school. And if you got the job, they took six percent of your salary. You know, so Mr. Dunn thought that was a good exercise for our class to do, and uh, you know, our graduate class. And so I just was like, well, University of Guam, what the heck. <laughs> And uh, Northern Michigan University, I remember. And then the guy called, uh, the, the head of the department there called and said, we have an opening in percussion and it'll be assistant band director. And we have already chosen the person. But Rick, those were the days of equal opportunity where they had, they had to interview so many people. They had to. 
And he said, we've chosen the person. We have one opening, but this kid looks like he's interested, you know, being an interesting person. Let's have him go through an interview. And Mr. Dunn's like, now understand you're not going to get the job, but it'll be great for you to go through the process. And I flew to Marquette, Michigan and came back. It was a wonderful, Dr. Wright was phenomenal. And I got back and the next night, Mr. Dunn called me and he said, you're going to get a call in about 10 minutes. They're going to offer you the job. I'm like, huh. what? <laughs> I thought I was going to Pendleton on school. Wow. So that was it. That's what happened. Yeah. How, how long were you at Northern Michigan? Three years, three, three. wonderful years. Yeah. And so, so what was the program like when you arrived and during your time? There? Percussion program was not good. I think there was only two majors. Uh, marching band was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Rick Meyer was great. The guy who was the director of bands and we became fast friends. And, and uh, so the band grew obviously. And I think when I left, there was like 16 percussion majors and we had a swing group too. We had, uh, they were called the fantastics. It was like university singers. So that was a big deal. Yeah. It was a great school. I loved it. I loved it. Any certain things come to mind as being some of your more proud accomplishments when you were there? Just some students. You know, Charlie Mangini came from there. I, I remember that connection, yeah. Yes. Charlie was from Northern Michigan. Ted Puchinski, who's now the, the uh, head of ISU Business Music Program. Ted was one of the students there. Yeah. Great students. Great students. And those, they ended up both transferring to Mizzou when I went there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So how did that work out? How did you end up deciding to, to take off and head towards Missouri? Um, bigger school, obviously. Uh, they were in that circuit with Iowa and, you know, that whole, all those big schools. And it was a percussion job and an assistant, an associate band director's job. So that kicked it up another level. Um, and just opportunity. I mean, Mizzou, my gosh, it was the state school. It was the IU of Missouri. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, and well, what a great time. What a great group of people there too. Yeah. And you were in Missouri how long? Three years. Three years. Okay. <laughs> See a pattern there. And uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Well, so what, what are some of your fun, fun memories from there? I mean, you had a couple students go with you. Sounds like that was kind of cool. But I think that went along a percussion studio. Uh, when I left, I think we were at 26 or 27, if I remember right. Um, we had a hot basketball band, believe it or not, called uh, Mini Mizzou, and it did all kinds of shows and travel around, played Lake of the Ozarks and all that sort of thing. Um, just great people, smart kids. Holy criminy, were they smart. And I still, you know, connect with lots of those kids. Well, they're not kids anymore, but they're always kids, yeah. yeah. So Mizzou was great. I love Mizzou. Yeah. So, so as a percussion teacher, like, I don't know what Ball State was like when you were there. You know, when I left, they were very focused on, you know, lots of marimba as well mm -hmm. as the other percussion instruments. Like what kind of percussion studio was your kind of focus yeah, area? Pretty, yeah, it's pretty much the same. I mean, lots of mallet playing, lots of timpani, lots of, um, I had, they all wrote too. They had to write. So they wrote percussion ensembles. At that time, the, 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 uh, the library, Rick, was pretty shallow. For, and so, man, they wrote some great stuff. And we got it published, too. Um, yeah, but it was comprehensive. It was top to bottom. I, I have some assumptions based on just being a band director about the focus on mouths. But what, what is the, as a percussionist, what is the reasoning behind? It seems as if when people go to college, that's what they're doing 
the bulk of the time at first. What is what is is there a reasoning behind that from a percussion side? Well, it opens up a, a whole landscape of literature to you. I mean, you can only play so, so many snare drum solos, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, the, the, you know, a bongo symphony is probably not available because they're all color instruments for the most part. So if you've got snare drum chops and then you flip them over, you got timpani chops. But the keyboard is where most of the kids that came in from high school, they were unfamiliar with that. And plus, if you're going to have a percussion ensemble, you've got to have keyboards. Um, so we did a lot of, in fact, at, at when at, at um at Mizzou, we did a lot of transcriptions because we, I mean, you know, what are you going to do with 25 percussionists? You only got two bands. So we did a lot of transcriptions that um, featured, uh, you know, mallets because they could be all the other instruments. Plus it was in tune. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds, sounds like you had a great time there. And so then you're moving on to New Mexico. How did yeah. that all transpire for you? I wanted to be a director of bands and I, I was in line at Mizzou, but Dr. Pickard, who I worshiped was going to be around for another 15, 20 years. And, and I loved the percussionist and I loved, and he let me do everything I wanted to do. He was so gracious, but I wanted to have my own program. And Mr. Dunn was gouging me too. You know, yeah. Tim, it's time. You got to get your own, you got to have your own wind ensemble and so forth. And, and, and New Mexico state was, perfect because it was the it was the school you went to at that time in new mexico to be a band director so like the, yeah. kind of the ball state of new mexico it was that's exactly right rick it was the ball state of new mexico yeah perfect well so you'd had three different programs to have two different programs for three years each to have experiences in two different states so you were ready to go off and yeah i loved it <laughs> And so what was the New Mexico like when you arrived? What was the program? What shape was the program in? Who's going to listen to this? Day? <laughs> uh, I, it's an Indiana podcast. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, you'll be nice, I'm sure. No, they, it was, they were, they were ready for a change. And the gentleman that was doing the band, a great guy, loved him. I love Ron. He, he wanted to step down and he wanted to teach trombone and do some writing. And, and so it was time. And, and it was great. There was, I, I think there was 22 or 23 kids transferred to New, to New Mexico. Um, they had a great program where if you got a scholarship, you, you didn't have to pay out of state tuition. And all those, because there was some kind of fund somewhere, Rick. And all, so I gave a lot of kids a dollar scholarship. And that took care of everything. Isn't that amazing? Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we started wind ensemble the fall right away, and and the and the marching band. It was just when core style was really coming into its own, so that dressed that up. And you know, out of the twenty-two or twenty-three that came, probably eighteen of them were percussionists. So that bolstered that thing right away. Yeah, it's a great time. I loved it. Desert. Mm. Yeah. Well, so you've mentioned a few things, but is there just a few really special memories from your time there, certain performances or trips or things like that to come to mind to you? Uh, what I remember, uh, I don't remember that as much as I remember the students who kind of started not real strong and then became phenomenal. Kevin Lepper, for example, Kevin was 
he didn't know what the keyboard was when he started. And now he, he's a prolific writer in percussion. I mean, he's at the front of the pack. And I can just name a bunch of them and you'd recognize the names. Um, so that's what I remember, just watching them grow and bloom and get excited and yeah. And there's great musical moments. I mean, you know, how do you beat Lincoln Sharposi? <laughs> there, there was all those too, yeah. So how long were you there? Guest. Uh, three years, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was for three years. And that's where Larry Lang, the director of the United States Air Force Band in D.C., Larry was one of the students there. Yeah. Great kid. I love him. Yeah. So what, what prompted you to decide to move on from New Mexico then? Oh, Rick, the, that's what Larry McCormick, Scott McCormick's dad, uh -huh. had just started uh it then it was called marching bands of america that when i got there we changed it to bands of america which of course now is music for all and he was an entrepreneur he's a genius and he was like you know we can really do some things here and blah 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 and i'd like to have him come on board and um and I mean, yeah, he was great. And we'll do workshops and we'll, we'll get with the finest people and we'll take them all. And that's where Weekend with the Experts came from. And basically that's where a lot of work, the whole workshop uh, network came from. He was the one that kind of started that. And okay. Genius yeah. guy. Genius. Loved him. Still do. Well, let's pause for a second before we talk a little, a little bit more about that. And so we're at halftime here and it's been yeah. really, it's been really fun to hear people's, uh, uh, talk about this so as a band director of course you're not immune to halftime and your job is to provide us some wonderful entertainment it's been very difficult for people to narrow it to a piece um, i don't know if you're able to narrow it to just one or not but is there a certain song you could talk about that really has special meaning to you what's your favorite <laughs> um certainly granger um, well, I'm, not, I'm not, not prepared to answer that on this. I'd have to really, really whittle it down, but I would say Granger for sure. Something Granger. Well, you and I, 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 when I, I mentioned Lincolnshire before. I mean, that's just so, uh, uh, Irish tune. Can it get any more beautiful? That guy never wasted a note. It, it, and those colors that he, all of his music has, the colors are just luscious rich i'm a granger fan big time um I, in fact i think he's kind of an unsung hero to be real honest um there's a certain piece you recall i mean i know you've done many of them but one that has a special meaning or you remember a certain performance of it that meant a lot to you um yeah I, I, just because I, irish tune is one i usually program with an honor band because everybody knows it, but they don't know that orchestration of it. Um, so I, that's, that's pretty special. That's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, you remember playing them with Mr. Don and then with your own bands, I assume. And yeah. Yeah. Mr. Dunn and I, as much as we were alike, were pretty polar opposite in many ways. Um, he could get that band just buffed clean, just, squeaky clean and i was always more for the heart um, you know so there would be a lot of emotion when i would do it and he wanted it he wanted everything colored in the lines so that's probably where we differed a little bit yeah okay 
I want <laughs> kids to feel it. I wanted them to walk out of the room going, oh, God, I wish we could have played it again. Oh, uh, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> More of an emotional connection yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, still on Granger, while we're talking about Granger a little bit, have you have you ever been to his the home in New York where he lived? It's it's a it's a spectacular place to go if you ever get a chance. I have not, but his widow lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. And I got to visit with her, and she was kind of goofy like like he was. And there's a whole trunk of music there, Rick, that had nobody had gotten to. And she showed it to me, and but she wouldn't let me have it. <laughs> Can you imagine the gems that are in there? Wow. So you didn't go st steal it later or anything? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if you, go to, if you go to his house in New York, you have to make an appointment to have a yeah. tour. And um, there's still his, you open the medicine cabinet, they open the medicine cabinet in the bathroom and all the stuff is still there. And his, his bedroom is still there. And you go in the basement and they have like printing presses where he was printing his own music. And they have the wheelbarrow that you see pictures of him hauling people's luggage from the train station sitting there. It's, it's pretty remarkable. I love it. Don't you love that stuff? Oh, I do. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's rich. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. See, once again, we're aligned on something there. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's move on to the, the third quarter then out of halftime. Yeah. So you already mentioned band, Bands of America. How, in the McCormick family, how did your relationship begin with, with him? How did you first? McCormick? Yeah. Uh, when I was at Mizzou, that's when all that stuff was just happening. Um, and I just wrote him a letter and said, you know, I really appreciate all you're doing. Well, you know me, I over, I over communicate. You know that. You got a ton of my letters around there. Um, and he wrote back and said, thank you. And I'd like to meet you sometime. And that summer, um, uh, I stopped by his place in Chicago and we visited. And then, uh, when I was at New Mexico, I had him come out to do a clinic and met all the kids and so forth. And that's when he said, why don't you come to work for me? And I'm like, what, you know? So that was how that happened. It, everything that's ever happened to me good is because I wrote a thank you letter. Isn't that weird? Hmm. Everything. Weird, but not surprising. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so your, your job responsibilities when you first started were like helping with clinics and running clinics and mm -hmm. lots of traveling, I assume. And being his assistant, you know, and yeah, he was, yeah. He opened up a whole new world for me. Uh, if it hadn't been for Larry McCormick, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> Still is, for that matter. Yeah, and so Scott, his son. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so yeah, marching bands of America, then bands of America, then music for all. Mm -hmm. Watching that grow, um, mm -hmm. what's it been like for you to see that grow over the years, having been a part of that connection? It's unbelievable. I for me, well, you watched it. That thing bloom. It's like from this to whoa, this. Um, yeah. And it's, be, it, it's because it, it, it's involved. Great people are involved. I mean, it always comes back to people. You know, you want to have a great band, get a great band director. Yeah. So at what point did you move to founding your own company? The attitude concepts for today. An accident again, we were uh, doing a workshop and uh, they had, you know, they, they were going to have somebody do the flags and somebody was going to do that. And I was going to do the percussion, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. And the, the 
plane that had four of the clinicians on it came in like late. And I remember Larry coming to me and going, look, we got 300 kids here. Can you control them? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> and he said, well, talk to him about anything, leadership, motivation, but we got to control them till this plane gets in and the rest of the people get here. And that's how it started. Because afterwards, Rick, people came to the directors and said, would you come to my school and do this? So it was an absolute accident. Nobody grows up wanting to be a speaker. Trust me. Mm-hmm. It's just, so when you when you were first at Bands of America, you were not doing that specific job. No, no, uh-uh. no, no. Had no intention. Not public speaking is the number one fear of human beings. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Petrified of it. <laughs> Do you remember what, when did you start at Bands of America? What what year was that? Uh, Nineteen seventy nine, spring of seventy nine. Mm-hmm. And then when did you start Attitude Concepts for today? The end of nineteen eighty one. Okay. Uh, and, and I was going to do it and go back and be a band director again. I was all excited to go be college band director again and thought, well, I'll do this, you know, Andrea and I can live off this money till the fall starts or whatever. And then it exploded. It just blew up that, you know, all these requests and so forth. So, yeah. Well, plus it'd been three years, right? So you were had, in- well, actually about a year and a half of those. About okay. A a okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, so once you started Attitude Concepts, like, like I know when I first met you, you came to just our school and you worked with just our band. Mm-hmm. Was that what you did for a while? Was it mostly like catered to like individual programs for, for like a year, yeah. two years? How did how'd that work? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, come and, you know, the band and talk to them. Just like when you were at Highland. You right. Know? It was that same thing. And then... It got to be, well, there's so many schools. Let's take the leaders because they're going to be the ones that leverage it anyways, right? Uh, and some of those kids who couldn't spell leader, I mean, they've been forced to be in there. That wasn't fair to them. And so we'll bring schools together of their leaders. And that's how that started. Uh, and then that then that exploded. And, uh, yeah. That right. was between that. And now when you, uh, when you were at Bands of America, were you living up in Chicago at that point? Or yeah. Did you, and then, yeah. so at what point did you, when you founded Attitude Concepts, was that when you kind of relocated back to where you grew up? Yeah. And Yeah. Andrea, my wife is from, in fact, we went to first grade together. <laughs> Andrea's mm-hmm. from here. I'm from here. Uh, our families are from here. And it didn't make any difference where we were because I was on an airplane all the time anyways. Right. So she could be around her family. Me too. So how long does it take to drive from Bluffton to the Indianapolis airport? It actually, it's Fort Wayne airport. Oh, you always go to Fort Wayne. Okay. Well, not always. <laughs> well, yeah. Usually, yeah, because you have to go from Fort Wayne to somewhere to go somewhere. Right. Uh, but, you know, 20 minutes away and you're, yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm sure there was a time where you just knew, knew everybody at the airport because you saw them da- daily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. And so uh, throughout the years at Attitude Concepts, you, you know, you've, you went from separate bands to just leaders to like, were you somewhat regional at first, you know, in Midwest, or was it always pretty quickly nationwide? Well, the word got out pretty fast. And at that time, as you well know, Rick, I was the only game in town. Nobody, what are you, training leaders? Are you nuts? Nobody would ever come up with something. And I had everybody, everybody told us, don't do this. This is the dumbest idea in the whole world. You're not going to be able to live off of it. Um, but now, I mean, uh, student leadership training. It's like Starbucks. There's one on every you know street corner. Right. So, did, uh, 
did you ever venture into any other type of leadership training? Like there's lots of corporate leadership training things and things like that. Mm -hmm. I did. I did. In fact, that's how uh, the consumer thing came about, which was another accident, by the way, they wanted me to do the thing for their sales force. And I knew a couple of the guys there and I'm like, no, I, you know, I did some things for Ford and other, you know, and you can make a lot of money doing that. I just, I like kids. I don't, you know, as we get older, we get more jaded and hearted and so forth. But, and they said, please, you know, please. What? And I said, okay, I'll do it on one condition. They said, well, what's that? And I said, you don't pay me. Oh, that'd be fine. So I went and did it. And uh, the president at that time was great, Tom Brzecki, who was a member of Chicago, the original Chicago group. Um, and he, thank you, thank you. And I got a jacket and they gave me a jacket. And I went home and wrote my thank you card. Yeah, mom taught me to do. And I sent it. And of course, that was before email. Yeah. And my thank you card and his thank you letter passed in the mail. And in his thank you letter was a check for $2,500. Now, at that time, Rick, $2,500 was going to keep me alive and feed Andrea and me. But I said I would do it for free. So I remember tearing the check up <laughs> and putting it in an envelope and saying, no, sir, that wasn't our agreement. I'm sorry. And I sent it back. And then he called me and he goes, do you have any idea what you've done to our accounting system? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, we don't know how to take money back. Would you come and visit with me someday? Sure, sure. And then I kept putting it off. Finally, he said, please, I really want you to come and, you know, we'll go to lunch and so. So I was up there doing a thing. In fact, I think it was for Max Jones. Um, and so I went over and we went to lunch and he said, I'm looking for a director of education. And I said, well, well I know some people I can help you. And he goes, no, 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 I want you to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not giving up my workshops. He goes, oh, you don't have to give those up. You don't have to change anything. Just be our director of education. And that's how that happened. I always wondered, Rick, what if I hadn't sent the check back? Yeah. 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 <laughs> some things are meant to be, I think. Thanks yeah. Guidance yeah. Providence. Have you kept track? Have you have you hit every state uh, in the in the nation yet? Have has that happened yes. for you? Yes, we've done. Uh, I've done the keynote in every state, and se most of them several times. Yeah. And, and how about countries? Have you kept track? Oh of yeah, them? yeah, 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 yeah. Japan, Singapore, London, Belgium, I mean, Italy. I mean, yeah. 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 That's fun. I know. I know you've done a lot of. A lot of groups and but I think you you have certain things that stick out in your mind are there any just crazy memories or stories you that come to mind quickly to share of just an adventure to Texas or an adventure to Oregon or an adventure to Singapore that just they're stick all, out they're all so great I mean uh, my grandpa told me one time he said the, the best investment you can make in yourself Tim is to travel because nobody can ever take those experiences away from me. And boy, Gramps was right. Just to be in another land and meet those people. I mean, Singapore, which is so clean and people are so gracious. And yeah, so, you know, for anybody that's listening to this, travel, get out, go meet other people. I think our wor world would be a better place if people knew people from other places, yeah. Of course, and right now that seems awfully time timely appropriate. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's some other things I just wanted to, to mention as far as things that you've done that have impacted folks with like Hal Leonard and GIA and, and NAM mm -hmm. and things like that. 
um, and your, your books, of course, through GIA. Um, did, did those all just sort of happen naturally or was there a plan in place, you know, for a series or how did that work for you? You gave me way, way too much credit. I'm not that smart. Uh, Essential Elements, Hal Leonard, yeah, was an accident again. I was at Midwest. And at that time, Art Jensen. Remember when Jen, you remember Jensen Publications? Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay, so there was, there was Hal Leonard. Then there was Hal Leonard and Jensen. Uh, originally, Art Jensen was part of Hal Leonard. Then they had a split up, and he started Jensen Publications. And then... Hal Leonard went back and bought him again. Yeah. So uh, one of his, one of the bones they threw him at the end of his career was because he always wanted to write, he, well, he did write a band method. It was not very successful, but he, they said, you can write a band method. And I was at Midwest and I walked around the corner and there was Art Jensen. And I'm like, oh God, wow. He's a hero. Should I say something to him? And I'm, you know, oh, I'm just a stupid hit. And finally I went up and I said, Mr. Jensen, you have no idea who I am. And I said, but I just want to, because that was the time he was having all those great charts that were written by Wayne Downey. And remember? Oh, yes. Yeah. They were just kickers. And I said, I just appreciate what you do. Well, who are you? And, and he, uh, do you have a business card? And I'm like, no, no. And well, you're right. Your name there. So uh, that was Midwest. So that I went back home and on Christmas Eve, I was sitting in my little home office and the phone rang and I picked it up and I'm like, who's calling me on Christmas Eve? And, and I said, hi, this is Tim Lassenheiser. And he goes, Tim, this is Art Jensen. And Rick, I thought it was somebody was scamming me. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> it rang right away again. He goes, Tim, really, this is Art Jensen. I want to talk to you. He said, I'm thinking about writing a band method. Aren't you a professionist? I said, yeah. And he said, would you like to be on the team? And I'm like, well, I never taught beginning band. He goes, no, no, no. We, we need to have you on there and everything. It was an accident. And now Essential Elements is number one selling band. But isn't that weird? Another uh, one of those things that happens, right? Yeah. And yeah. Alec Harris, who was his, uh, uh, he, Alec Harris wasn't the president that his dad was. He was just a kid working for his dad. And at Iowa Music Educators, he, I, I did the keynote or something. He came up afterwards. He said, would you ever think about writing a book? I'm like, ah. <laughs> And that's how that relationship happened. Another accident. Your first one, what was the name of that first book? The Art of Successful Teaching. Right. That's the one that, you know, I, I still have it just written all over it and things circled and, yeah. and it's just a, a, a wonderful thing. So, that's well, awesome. it's really cool that that all worked out that way. Um, yeah. As far as overall career, you've mentioned several people and I, I imagine this will be difficult for you, but is there certain colleagues or mentors that come to mind as really having impacted you? the most well for you would it, would it be mr partial would that be one of yours he's certainly one of them that's for daggone sure yeah give me give me a couple more just out this will help me well joe scagnoli oh um, my wife oh um, sure Candy, of course yeah and uh yeah but anyway back to you tim <laughs> <laughs> how about you oh uh, certainly mr dunn uh joe guth who was at marion but I worked two summers for him. Man, and that guy, he could sell ice cubes to Eskimos. He did was, you did you work for him like with his track show bands at Marion and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, two summers, 68 and 69. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I love Mr. Guth. Um, and then, of course, Mr. Patton. 
And then Mr. Metzinger, obviously Mr. Metzinger, um, my percussion teacher. But then along the way, the, the heads of the departments, Dr. Wright, Dr. Webb, uh, Charles Emmons, those people, they were so good to me and helped me. You know, they go, Tim, you know, why don't you take a little energy and put it this direction? You know, you've got this one plate spinning over here. How about you do this and opened up great opportunities for me? Yeah. It's, so, it's always about people, isn't it, Ray? Yes, that's for sure. Always about people, you know. That's why it's so important for the college kids, you know, meet the people, know the people. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. so, so talking about all these experiences, I've sort of stirred up some memories for you. If you were, if you had this magical ability to have a time machine or something like that and go back and, and do something over, is there something that you'd pick just for fun and an experience or an event or a time frame? Would, would you go back and do your first year teaching again? Um, I think it's, those questions are always answered by would I know what I know now or not? I think that's, <laughs> that's the question. Uh, probably not. Probably not. It wouldn't be my top pick. Yeah. What would be your top pick? <laughs> you, you like to turn the tables on me. Yeah, well, I'm um, um, Yeah, I haven't thought about that. Um, I, I think uh, just uh, I just have had the fortune of having my children in my van. So a period of time where my two kids were in my program at the same time. I'm getting ready to have my third student in my third shot of my program next, but. For me, it'd be a year where I had both my two oldest kids in my band. Oh. Yeah. So what, what are you thinking? Well, I, well, let me ask you this. When I, I'll hear band directors say, well, I don't, want to, I don't want to be the band director of my own kids. And I'm thinking, why not? Wouldn't that be the hippest thing in the world? I wouldn't, change, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh, my gosh, no. And they're like, ah, I don't want to have to deal with my own kids. And I'm like, oh, come on. Gee, many Christmas, that would be the ones I would want in the band. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, um, I just did a thing for, um, for Consul Maristu coming up uh, for the college kids called If I Knew Then What I Know Now. Um, and I came out of that ilk of people, Rick, that the meaner you were, the better you were. And there's no question you can motivate people with fear. There's no question at all. But boy, oh boy, I mean, they, they, they were merciless. They would de dehumanize somebody. So when I started teaching, those were the tools I had. You know, what is, we don't teach as we're taught to teach. We teach as we're taught. And so my models, many of them were stern is a, is a kind word. And I would love to go back to some of those people and just say, I am so sorry. We could have, we could have gotten better uh, if I hadn't have just gotten your face but that's what I knew how to do. And I just don't think today in today's world, or maybe even then, Rick, I just don't think people get better by making them feel worse. That makes sense? Yeah. And I mean, there are always times when you have to discipline to go, hey, come on, you know, let's tighten this thing up. Come on, quit screwing around, all this sort of thing. But, but just that constant hammering, people, they become immune to it after a while. Oh, I suppose. So, yeah, I'd like to do that again. Well, you did, didn't really answer my question, but I that was really <laughs> interesting to hear that. Um, here's, a, here's a different spin on it, just for fun. You've done these clinics in all these places, and you've done all these great travels. Say you got to pick your next clinic. Where, 
where would you go? Like just geographically, you know, the kids are going to be great. You're going to have fun with kids. You're going to meet some really nice directors who care passionately about their students. But could you just pick like go to Singapore again or go somewhere you've never been? Is there somewhere you'd love to love to go? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you're absolutely right. I, I am blessed. I'm fortunate. I'm spoiled because the kids I work with are the best. They've already been vetted like three times. Yeah. Um, it's like I always taught tease George Parks, you know, George, of course you're going to be successful. All your, all your kids are drum majors that are in your sessions. <laughs> I'm going to get any better than that. Um, I just, I love to go to foreign countries, particularly where they've never even thought about leadership for their students. Um, yeah. So anywhere where it'd be new and fresh and you can plant a seed and help them and, and, it's, it's gaining momentum around the world. There's no question about that. Student leadership is becoming a big thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you never got to teach high school officially. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you, what, do you, do you miss that? Do you wish you would have had that little three years, had three years there too, somewhere along the way? <laughs> would that have been? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I loved it when I was met, was with Mr. Guth because he let me do everything. And certainly Mr. Patton. And I, I love that. Uh, and probably at 23 years old, I didn't have any business being a college band director. It's probably the truth. So, yeah. And to, even today, the, most of the kids I deal with are high school kids. You know, I still teach my class at Butler and still have the, I love college kids too. But boy, if there's a place and you do it each and every day, where there's a place where you can really make an impact and help them create positive habits for their own welfare and self-growth. I think it's the high school level. I really do. What do you think? I agree. I think middle school as well, but high school is where they have a little bit more, uh, maybe social, like just connection to their, just the world in a bigger way. Yeah. More yeah. mature. More mature. Especially now, because we're all so connected. And Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, they... You can't breathe without all the people knowing it now. Right. Social media and, and the internet and so forth. Absolutely. Mm. Well, this has, been, this has been really fun. So the fourth quarter of our, of our basketball game has been a real, real fun thing because we, we put people on the spot and you have to decide some things for band directors for all of eternity in our pretend world that we have here. So if you tell us where we want to put the French horns in the band, they have to sit there no matter what song you're playing or no matter what auditorium you're in. So a little, little bit of pressure on you here, but I, oh, think, I, think, I think it'll be fun for you. So are you ready to give some of these questions a shot? Far away, buddy. Far away. All right. Alto clarinets. Got to include them or let's move on and just get rid of them. Uh, I no, I think they need to be there. I'm not sure they need to be there all the time. There are there's some literature that the alto clarinet color, if it's not there, you're going to tell a difference. And there's some literature that it you know it doesn't make any difference at all. They're they're playing in unison with somebody else and in the same octave and everything. No, okay. No, I, I think it's a color. It's like English horn. How's that? <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. All right, band setup. Tube is on the right or in the center. For me, it was a little bit on the right, not a lot, but a little bit on the right so that that sound came across the band. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. 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 I wanted that. I wanted that, for the most part, tonic. 
And I put the timpani right beside him too. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So you're tuning your band. You go from the top or from the bottom? I go from the bottom just because if that tonic isn't locked, uh -huh. the, all the overtones above it are, I mean, you, you, <laughs> you know, you know the, the clarinet plays the B flat or the oboe plays the A or whatever. And then everybody kind of tunes. Well, those are professional players for crying out loud. That, that bottom better be there or the, all the overtones above it are shot to snot, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, you have to pick one of these songs and the other, the other will no longer exist, all right? So you're picking between Barnum and Bailey's favorites and Rolling Thunder. Oh, Rick, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Barnum and Bailey's. Okay. Mm -hmm. You've been told um, that you're gonna conduct a musical next season on Broadway and you get to pick between the music man and West side story. Which one? You pick my two favorites. <laughs> it, West side story. All right. Just because the music is so, and so is music man, but it's a different feel. You know, that's like tapioca. Music man is like tapioca. West side story is like chicken salad. <laughs> that makes sense. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, more serious question here. So um, these two composers, which one's music gets to still exist after our interview? Persichetti or Hindemith? Probably Hindemith. Okay. Here's a fun one. I've asked this of everybody. It's been mm -hmm. interesting. So plastic instruments secretly think they're sort of cool or ban them forever. I don't know, they're secretly, I mean, good for pet band. You drop the trombone off the back of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The risers or whatever. Yeah, no, no, no. There's a place for it. Yeah. Okay. A Lincolnshire Posey. You've mentioned it a couple times. I think mm -hmm. you, lo you love it dearly. Mm -hmm. So you have your, your six movements. Mm -hmm. If you had to get rid of a movement, which one would you get rid of? Well, I'll bet everybody's telling you three, aren't they? <laughs> it's been kind of a, a mix really yeah but that's come um, up yeah so strangely enough maybe maybe six because five in so great mm -hmm. i mean the end of five is like whoa how are you gonna beat that and, and six is wonderful too but boy five wow you know yeah that's, that's i love good. three too i think three is the hippest thing in the world so you're gonna stick with six then yeah Okay. I'll notify all your college director friends. Oh, don't do that. Immediately me. after our interview. <laughs> if a piece calls for trumpets and cornets, should you honor that and have both those instruments in your performance if possible? Well, I don't think it's, it's, it's as serious as it was at one time. If you want to be authentic, yes. But I mean, it's like, do you want to use the snare drum that was the field drum with only the wood shell or you will, I mean, it, it, you're splitting hairs at that point, I think, uh, even though the sound of the cornet clearly is different. And I like that sound, um, but I don't think it's going to make or break a band. Okay. Even though I really sound, yeah. All you right. Have cornets? You have cornets? Uh, yeah, we do. And we do like to, when we have the opportunity, but not all the time, but you know, when we're like going to contest and working on the music for a longer period of time, but yeah. not, not with, and with the top band too, not, not everybody. So, no. yeah. All right. So if we're picking where someone has to put their March in a program, would you put the March first or last? Last. 
last. All right. If beginners are, are getting to meet every day in band, what grade would you pick to start them in? If you know they're meeting every day. Probably five or six. I know a lot of people like four, but boy, there's a lot of child development in between four and five, grade, grade four and, uh, and grade five. Five or six, five or six, yeah. Okay. Here's another band one here. Tuning your tuning pitch forever in band. You have to pick F. concert concert F or concert B flat. F, F. F, all right. I can know the answer to this based on our previous conversations, but dogs or cats? <laughs> That's easy, dogs. Okay. Another fun music one. Which one gets to survive after our interview? Sleigh ride or Russian Christmas music? Russian Christmas music. And my last question. Do you have a most bizarre instrument you've used in a performance? Well, I mean, like a, 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 a water chime, for example, mm -hmm. you know, where you put the chime in the water and then it does all that to get that unique sound. That's probably the goofiest one. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's a cool sound. I love the sound, you know? Yeah. I'd probably say that or a uh, uh, marching machine. If you're going to do um, once more call it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been really fun for me, Tim. I appreciate it so much. And I, I, I hope you enjoyed yourself a little bit too. Can I have one uh, pass on this one? Get out of jail free card. Sure. Sure. I wouldn't get rid of any of the movements in Lincolnshire. Do what? That I wouldn't get rid of any of the movements in Lincolnshire. Oh, okay. Well, That's like saying, which do you want to kill, your mother or your dad? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you talk about Granger, don't you just get excited about the way he crafted? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll let you have a pass. I don't want you to be laying in bed later, tormented. With this. <laughs> well, it should have been movement, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, again, again, I, I know you're busy, and I really appreciate your time, and thanks so much for Thanks for asking me to do this. Tell Candy and the kids hi, and as you know, I love you all. You're a great family. You've been, you've been a part of my life, and, you know, when you hear those names, and they go, oh, yeah, oh, Rick and Candy, yeah, yeah, they were in the class when I did this, and anybody who's been around Mr. Partial is just a special person. He and Mark, are, you were lucky. You were lucky. I agree. Well, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Let me know what I can do to help you, okay? That concludes today's episode of The Real Deal. A special thanks to Tim for agreeing to talk with me today. The Real Deal is hosted by me, Rick Granlund. This episode was edited and mixed by Connor Granlund. Our theme song is March of the Steelmen, performed by the 2009 Isma State Concert Band Champions, the North Central Wind Ensemble. Thank you for taking time to listen to The Real Deal podcast today. Be sure to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at RealDealPodIN. And make sure to subscribe for more interviews coming soon.